0: So I saw this tweet where a person took a photograph of a plate with one of the donuts cut in half, and it had a little sticky note attached to it that says, feel free to help yourself to all these donuts. And uh, the tweet caption was, I'm just getting prepared for when we go back into the office, which made me think about all those weird idiosyncrasies that happen in an office space that we all miss. What are some things that you miss from office life?
1: you know, don't miss the people that are trying to be healthy. So they bring
0: their own food and warm it up in the kitchen and stinks up the whole office. How about those awkward conversations when you're going into the bathroom door and someone's leaving and you meant to talk to them. And now you have this like impromptu kind of pseudo business meeting right in front of the public bathroom door.
1: My favorite is the guy that takes care of the plants because I'd like his job. He's like got a holster with like the little pruners and stuff and like a spritzer bottle, carefully removing like a dead leaf.
2: Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into digital tools, solutions, and strategies that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Now, here are your hosts.
1: Welcome to Touchpoint, episode 220, 220.
0: I'm Reed Smith. That is Chris Boyer. Hey, Reed. I'm just printing my uh, little houseplant here on the desk.
1: Are you? Nice. Yeah, nice. I got a holster
0: got a, and everything.
1: A bonsai tree. <laughs> yeah. I always wanted a bonsai. I think that'd be that'd be fun. Well, here we are. Another another week, another episode. We've got a really fun one today, uh, keeping in theme with having some of our other show hosts on as uh, guests. And you may be thinking, I don't know what that means. What does he mean, show host? What are we even talking about? Well, you were listening to the show Touchpoint, but there is a network of shows called Touchpoint. Touchpoint Media Network, you can find it over at touchpoint.health, so you can find out more about certainly this show that you're listening to and this episode that you're listening to. You can also dive into what is close to or around 20 other shows, and obviously those have show hosts. And so we're having some of those folks on over the coming weeks to not talk about their show, but talk about kind of their expertise and their topic because those shows focus on other things, health IT, innovation, data and analytics. There's the intersection of medicine and technology, storytelling, pharma, med device world. The list goes on. So I would encourage you surf over there next time you're on a web browser, touchpoint.health. Check those out, rate, review, subscribe to all the shows. Actually, just ours, but no, I'm just kidding. All the shows. (laughs) And uh, we certainly appreciate that. While you're there, sign up for the TPS report. It is a weekly email comes out every Monday morning, has five articles to get your week started. We appreciate the support. So we'll pause here while you do that and be back with today's show. Chris, in today's digital age, your online reputation, as we all know, is crucial. With customers relying on online reviews, your first impression is also compared directly with your competitors.
0: Sure is, and Reed, consider this, 86% of patients today read online reviews, and 73% demand that that healthcare provider has a minimum four-star rating. Demand, they demand it. Yeah, they do.
1: Well, to stand out, choose reputation to help amplify your brand and to build trust. Be the provider of choice in your area, understand patient sentiment, get actionable insights, and even foster patient loyalty.
0: And look, here's the easy way you could do that. All you need to do is go visit reputation.com slash touchpoint. That's reputation.com slash touchpoint, where you can download their healthcare online reputation management guide and build a reputation that performs for you.
1: All right, so today we do have Bonnie Klepper on the show and more uh, on her here in a little bit, but her world is innovation. You'll hear her talk about that. She's a registered nurse for upwards of 30 years or more. And uh, it was a really fun conversation, interesting conversation. I think it dovetails nicely into what we're talking about today, which is this uh, evolution innovation in the marketing space as we continue to try to iterate and innovate within how we do things, the consumerism push, and then ultimately what we're going to talk about today, which is marketing technology.
0: I think a lot of people, when they think about innovation, what springs to mind is all the new technical gadgets, the the shiny objects that get in, that get launched every year that we all tend to embrace. A lot of times innovation is kind of framed around technology innovation. And one of the first things we'll dive into in our episode is we're going to talk a little bit about the marketing technology stack. And this is something we've talked about before, right? Yeah, it, it has. We, and certainly we talk
1: about technology quite a bit and you'll hear you know hear us talk about it today, but you'll also hear Bonnie talk about it. it. May just be a new way of doing things. And so, when you think about innovation, it's not just about technology. It's not just about you know developing something new that you would sell like a product or service or widget. It could be the way that you're doing things, even in amongst the technology, right? So, as you think about like the technology stack itself. It may be the way that you
0: think and use and utilize these tools. We found an article that was actually written by a consultant a number of years ago that actually talked about how to reframe the marketing technology stack in sort of a model that actually makes a lot of sense. So this is like an innovative view of marketing technology using this framework of attract, engage, and delight. We've heard that attract, engage, delight often. Delight. That's what technology is known for. Delighting. (laughs) (laughs) It sometimes does turn on delight, but sometimes it also can turn on other things. But um, it's a bad pun. Sorry. Full of dad jokes today. When we talk about marketing technology in general, or MarTech, that sort of, in a a very broad stroke, represents all those technologies, software, applications used by organizations to kind of manage that entire customer life cycle from the early stages, acquisition, interest, that sort of thing, all the way through to retention and loyalty, things like that.
1: There's not a place really anymore, I don't guess, that you can't find, at least you can't find uh, a way to meet uh, the need using technology, right? I mean,
0: people are innovating for all stages of the journey. And depending on what business type you are and Last week, we talked about different models in healthcare, right? B2B, EB2C, whatever. But also the industry you're in and your customers' behaviors and your marketing strategy and processes, all that allows you to rethink the way your marketing technology stack looks. And so I often get asked, you know, what's the best marketing technology stack for an organization? And I have to say, well, it depends. What are you trying to accomplish, right? Mm-hmm. So today, when we start to think about what is this overarching framework for a marketing technology stack, I think it's important for us to say, you know, it may be different depending on what your individual unique needs are for your organization.
1: Yeah, it, it really is. And this is where we we run and are susceptible to the shiny object syndrome, right? We go to, well, we used to go to conferences, But when when you when you went to conferences and you see somebody present, you're like, oh, man, I need one of those now. Right. And there have been a couple of uh, culprits uh, over the years, you know, like CRM chatbots were another one, you know, in other things. Right. Like you would you would see somebody and you know what? The reason it was so attractive is because it was right for that use case in that
0: organization. And again, it it, it can differ depending on what you're trying to accomplish. W- you and I have we've worked with many different size organizations, and quite frankly, the marketing technology stack is different for each one of those organizations, depending on their marketing plan, depending on how they are tracking and, and engaging their customers, and even you know when they start to look at um, you know all the different things that comprise their go to market strategies, or even how they use they're like CRM to begin with, right? Are they there to drive more patients? Are they there to build more loyalty, whatever it may be? Which brings up this framework of attract, engage, and delight. When I say those words, read attract, engage, delight, in your mind, what do you think about?
1: Well, I mean, most businesses, right? I mean, that's the goal is to attract consumers or your customer base uh, you want to be engaging and then certainly the delights the retention piece of the the satisfaction piece of the equation
0: so that kind of aligns to everything that we know of in the modern healthcare marketing department what they're trying to accomplish so it, it does make sense so let's let's break these down step by step and let's first talk about the attract Technology or those those technologies that help audiences discover learn more about your organization. Some of that stuff, you know, if you think about top of the funnel, although it's hard to think about a funnel nowadays because everything's kind of more circular or more like kind of interrelated, but still top of the funnel stuff.
1: Yeah, first thing they mentioned in there is uh, is SEO, so the organic side of the equation. So, you know, what are some of those things that you can do to make sure that you're found online? So, on-page and off-page SEO. Most people think of the on-page SEO stuff. So, like, and even some of this runs into the ADA compliance stuff, but the alt tags and etc. And the metadata. And, you know, how do you position the content on the page? all those types of things to you know make Google
0: match you up with people's search queries. That's certainly most searches begin through a search engine nowadays, although there are a few people that do start their search right on an organization's website. So that's why your content management system or your CMS is also a critical part of this attract technology framework. It's also Modern-day CMSs are the foundation of our content strategy and can act as the content hub. So this is a way where we could spread great information across multiple different channels because CMSs is no longer just power your website. They can now act as syndication systems to publish to apps, to social media, to emails, to you know a variety of different online platforms.
1: Next thing they mention here is social media again from a pure uh, garnering attention uh, standpoint, certainly allows you to put content in front of people. Uh, yeah, This is not the same thing as search. You know, search, you're putting content in front of people who are actively looking. Social media, in most cases, you're putting information in front of folks, whether it's paid or organic, uh, in front of people that were not necessarily looking for it. So it's a little more of a pull strategy. Uh, but certainly you can run campaigns and, you know, connect with different audiences and have personas based on even different platforms. You know, the people that are on Facebook may not be the people that are on Instagram that aren't on TikTok, et cetera. So social media allows you, uh, you know, an avenue into several different audiences.
0: Absolutely. So those things that we just talked about are more organic ways or non-paid ways. Of course, there's a whole plethora of paid digital advertising activities here. Shorthand, we call them SEM or search engine marketing, although that now goes into social marketing as well paid methods to target online searches and social media to redirect to these variety of online properties and the content there to really design to drive in a very targeted sense to get some kind of action from that user get them to our websites to our apps to wherever in order for them to do something
1: the idea that you want to attract folks is not probably a foreign concept we, we've talked about, you know, the marketing department really being the advertising department for some time now. Uh, and this is, you know, that main piece of that, right, is is that mechanism to
0: garner attention, to attract, if you will. There's some other additive areas in this sort of this attract technology approach or framework is things like web analytics or analytics to help understand how these different technologies actually are performing to attract those, those particular people. Right. So this is one way you could start to connect everything together where you have an analytics platform now where you can actually measure all the activity from paid and from social and from websites and emails and things like that.
1: And they even talk about a, a, a digital asset manager, which we're seeing more and more of this, but you know, where do you store all of your assets, photography, videography, even down to, uh, ads, you know, any creative elements, things like that. Having some sort of a repository where you can easily source and search for and and drive brand standards uh, in a way uh, have really kind of given a rise to these, uh, these asset managers.
0: Now, these aren't all the tools in this part of that framework, but these are just gives you a good sense of all of the attract technologies in your marketing tech stack. The second phase of this is the engagement technology, which... As it's, as it's titled, right, are technologies used for you to better engage with your customers, gathering information about them, getting to know them a little bit better so you can strengthen those relationships through the technology. So what are some of the platforms there or technologies there? You know, a big one that
1: we're seeing a rise in is the marketing automation platform. A lot of people are using this for email or drip marketing campaigns, but this can even extend into like the text messaging world. It's a way to drive those touch points uh, and continue to pull people back in a lot of cases and serve up information, quite honestly, that's most relevant to them. So these are common that, you know, this is like Marketo, Pardot, you know, those types of platforms, although you can even have a marketing automation process, I guess, uh, in, in place through even some of the email marketing tools like ML or MailChimp or some of those where you're, you're automating content to maybe a certain list or a certain segment of your list based on you know what it is that they like. But it's a way to kind of continue to
0: engage and, and pull people in through different touch points. And learn a little bit more about how they're reacting to your various different activities, too. And that's why another technology that's often used here in the engagement section of your MarTech stack are things like health risk assessments or other online interactive tools that provide some kind of purpose or value and also allow you to, you know, once again, provide resources to your consumers that are maybe not directly on the way to make an appointment with you. Maybe they just want to get more information about their health, but you could track that. And now you can start to engage with them more based on what you learn.
1: The next thing they mentioned here is uh, is CRM or uh, customer relationship management. So again, you could almost make an argument that some of the HRAs, at least that we've seen and used, uh, and even some of the marketing automation platforms have elements of CRM as far as, you know, we're collecting and, and having these interactions with consumers and kind of what that what that means, right, and, and being smarter over time. But a true CRM, obviously, is going to have the attribution piece to it. So allowing that tracking back to our efforts and kind of the downstream, what does this mean financially to the organization? And so, again, a lot of these things dovetail together and fit together. Uh, some of them you need other pieces to go along with it to really, you know, see the value Some of them have parts and pieces, like again, even some of those email tools, you could argue have CRM functionality to them. Some of the chat bots we've seen, you know, creating customer records and things like that have a CRM functionality to them.
0: Coming soon from Greystone, Bowstring and Touchpoint Media, live from HCIC, a new podcast that brings you front row access to the latest innovative strategies that are shaping tomorrow's healthcare industry. Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast series is brought to you by Greystone.net, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media. Yeah, so one other technology that's in here that's interesting to think about, but it's very critical – any kind of forms or landing pages that, that can capture more information about a customer based on what they want, right? Maybe they're filling out, I uh, like to uh, make an online appointment scheduling, for example, or maybe a form is designed for them to ask for information to log onto the patient portal, that sort of thing. Any kind of form or landing page interaction that you could track about your customers that ultimately allows you to know a little bit more about what their intent is and guide them to the right information, get you know, close that loop, so to speak. All of those things are everything we just talked about are just, you know, those are engagement technology components that help with your marketing technology stack. Now, Reed, why don't we do this? When we come back from the break, let's talk about that last one, which is very, very interesting to us.
1: The delight portion. Yeah. But let's do that after this break. All right. So before the break, we talked uh, about two of the three elements, attract and engage. Let's talk uh, quickly about delight. How do we use technology to make sure that everything went well?
0: That's a really good question. <laughs> the, this part of the marketing technology stack are some of the things that we are starting to see little bits of these strategies and those technologies start to appear in, in the healthcare technology space. Really, when we think about this, is it's around omnichannel customer awareness. So one of the first things is a three-letter acronym we covered a couple of episodes ago, customer service software. And that is, you know, those tools where we provide customer service support either through your call centers, your patient access centers, any kind of integrated systems where we can actually understand that customer feedback better in order to once again, provide better experiences. And ultimately, as you referred to before the break, maybe even uh, automate them through a chatbot kind of functionality.
1: And you think about this most commonly with like help desk tickets and kind of the customer service, like you said, the... Customer service are kind of the back end. How do I do this? How do I fix this? Kind of functionality. But I think in healthcare, I think even using you know some of our online reputation management tools to understand what's working, you know, I could I could argue uh, should be in this in this uh, portion. Next thing they mentioned here is voice of the customer. So again, much like the reputation management piece, the pro proact- in this case proactively gathering insights. So how do we you know how do we ask people? in an automated fashion, because we're talking about technology, uh, how we did, like, how do you gather that? How do you get it? How do you, how do you bring all that information together? So again, you can start identifying themes, even reward and recognition programs that can help fuel that, you know, who's doing a great job. It's not all about just fixing the bad, right? It's, it's also about recognizing uh, some of those employees that are standing out or understanding what's working well that we might could implement in other areas and things like that.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Voice of customer. We've done a couple episodes on that, so go check that out. Another one here is instead of just, you know, the standard analytics, now we're getting into business analytics or you know, the BA as the acronym is, where we can consolidate data from various sources into a single dashboard and to review against your overall KPIs. And many times when you're talking about business analytics, you're mapping them to that actual customer journey. So now you're able to understand the entire spectrum of how that individual customer interacts with you throughout their entire life cycle. This is really, really important. And oftentimes I see healthcare organizations do this in at in an enterprise level. So you have a marketing person on an analytics uh, uh, group with also people that are in operations and clinical, et cetera, in order to get a better picture of the overall customer.
1: You know, and the last thing we'll mention, which again, kind of goes back to CRM, but they, they talk about customer data platforms. Again, a way to kind of unify or or have profiles built. And I think a lot about segmentation and things like that, but really understanding what that persona is. And so how are you using data to continue to inform that persona, therefore allowing you to do a better job at delighting. So, again, we don't I don't know that we really talk about, you know, customer data platforms in the way that we are in the frequency that we talk about, like CRM and marketing automation, some of those types of things. But something to
0: kind of think about. This is now kind of breaking free of the marketing suite into the organization. And that's, I think, the bigger trend here is that the way this framework describes the marketing technology stack, it really centers everything around that individual customer or consumer. And if you think about it, so does all the other technology in your organization. So if a good marketing technology structure or framework can plug right into or align with the larger organization structure. So that's an innovative way of thinking about marketing technology. But there are other things that when you think about innovation that are occurring in the health system. And before we go to our interview read, let's talk about other ways health systems are kind of embracing platforming and innovative financing strategies.
1: Yeah, this is interesting Uh, article you found uh, from key.com health systems embrace platforming and innovation or innovative financing strategies. So the premise here really is that that hospitals are no longer the only choice for what you would typically go to a hospital for. <laughs> I mean that's 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 the basis here, right? Is you know, things that you would have only been able to receive at a hospital is is you know the type of care or whatnot. That's not the case anymore. So instead, there's lower cost, decentralized, consumer focused. We see this with retail outlets now, the Walgreens and CVS and WalMarts and you know those types of things getting into the healthcare delivery space, uh, and that's really what they're talking about.
0: And this reminds me a little bit about uh, a movement in healthcare that started a number of years ago where it was moving away from inpatient care to outpatient care. And the reason why is because it's much more cost-effective to be delivering care outside of the large, big hospital complexes that there are, right? Ambulatory care is a big thing here. Well, the same thing is happening from a technology perspective. This migrating towards asset-light, tech-heavy care delivery platforms represents sort of a major repositioning for organizations. It's directly designed to compete against all of these retail healthcare outlets.
1: So as health systems, especially those that are kind of on the forefront, they say strive to expand their consumer reach through more uh, expansive operating platforms. They're increasingly issuing taxable debt. Okay, we're, we're getting to the... I'm waiting in some waters that I'm not familiar with, uh, <laughs> above my pay grade. I don't know what whatever whatever you want to whatever analogy you want to insert here. Basically, the point is, you know, they're looking for and uh, trying to leverage strategic investment partners.
0: What the article refers to, and of course, remember this is written by KeyBank, right? So these are very financial people. They call them capital formation tools. Oh boy! Yeah, but using these capital formation tools really will support strategic growth and flexibility, while often generating incremental investment capital and or reducing facility ownership risk. Now, I just said all those words, and I know they're English, but I'm having trouble actually understanding that. Are they in the right order? (laughs) Exactly, that's (laughs) the question.
1: (laughs) Well, they talk about that most healthcare systems continue to pursue. And this is where, you know, the pay-for-service stuff comes in, right? Volume-oriented growth strategies. Yeah, they even talk about fee-for-service in here to really kind of target those ROI levels. You know, however, they say hospitals are no longer the only choice, like we said earlier, for these types of care. Instead, there's a lot of lower cost, decentralized. It's It's the wave of all these retail models,
0: right? And so the the thrust of this article actually is at this point where they actually say enlightened health systems. That's an interesting adjective. Enlightened health systems are adding this sort of platforming approach to delivering healthcare facilities. This article is very interesting. We encourage you to kind of take a look because there's a lot of examples in here. By approaching things with these kind of integrated networks and partnering with these other organizations in these capital formation tool sets so to speak what they're doing is basically allowing these large health systems to suddenly become much more competitive in the marketplace because their overhead now is at a much as a much lower risk so to speak
1: they talk about in here that you know the healthcare systems you know have and should respond by building these delivery platforms and the the businesses Within this, they talk a lot about uh, home care, hospice, the post-acute world, urgent care, diagnostic labs, the ambulatory surgery centers are all in the industry segment that's being integrated with this large uh, branded platform to create a better service offering. So, again, it's kind of the all-in-one idea where all these things aren't in their own category, their own vertical, but how do we create a platform that kind of can take you through the entire continuum of care?
0: I tell you, some of the examples in this article are just really fascinating. You know, they uh, organizations partnering with like a, a diagnostic firm. And by doing this, you know, how they can actually increase their outreach through lab services, but also save money through this partnership. And then they get into other things, too, like Alternative Solutions Health Network partnering with Beaumont Health. For post acute care, Livongo partnerships, right? You know, even technology partnerships we're seeing. The big point here around this article is that through these network platforms and investing in some new capabilities, technology and brand development, while in the past you, th- you think, you know, this is a, a huge overhead because most of the the health systems would assume those costs internally through this now these interesting partnerships now what's happening is we're become we're seeing more and more larger organizations and even smaller organizations start to rapidly adopt and and deliver care in new modalities to their market areas to their service areas and uh, do it in a way where they can actually are, are getting positive financial gains in the long term.
1: And before we jump to this interview um, with uh, Dr. Klepper, I, I think you know one thing she mentions in our conversation is this idea of who owns the idea, <laughs> which is kind of interesting, right? So as we think about a, a, a nursing shortage, for example, you know, what nurses may or may not be doing around ideas they come up with, Within their health system, and so you know, how do we continue to foster an environment of good ideas? And so, I don't want to butcher it. Uh, I think she does a much better job of talking through this and a lot of really cool examples of what we saw during the pandemic of how people took innovation uh, as their own job, even though that really wasn't what they do. What what, what what's now on their business card. So let's pause uh, as we uh, take a quick break here. Here from one of our sponsors, but uh, we'll be back with a, a conversation. Uh, with Dr. Bonnie Clipper. All right, welcome back to the Ask the Expert portion of the podcast. Today, I am joined by, I guess, our newest. I was trying to think here in my head, Bonnie, uh, our newest host on the Touchpoint Media Network, Dr. Bonnie Clipper. Welcome.
2: Thank you. Appreciate it, Reid.
1: So you and I have known each other for some years. Uh, you obviously grew up and found your way into healthcare through the nursing side of the equation as a registered nurse, and then ultimately spent a lot of time in education. And but people, most people probably know you in the innovation space uh, over the last handful of years, decade, decades. <laughs> it's all. I said the other day something about when the iPad came out a few years ago. Then I thought, wait a minute that was like 10 years ago. Yeah. Like stuff is starting to get away from me a little bit, but you've spent, you spent a lot of your time in, in the innovation space. So maybe give everybody just a, a taste of what you do and, and kind of where you spend your, your waking hours.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I've been a nurse well over 30 years. I uh, hate to date myself too much. 20 plus of those years, I was actually a chief nurse executive Uh, spent a lot of time as a chief nurse officer, building uh, kind of education centers for a health system, things of that nature. 2014, I had the opportunity to become a Robert Wood Johnson Foundation Executive Nurse Fellow. That's when I pivoted into the innovation space. So for me, that's been a seven plus year uh, journey.
1: Very cool. And Host of Healthcare Soothsayers, the newest show on the Touchpoint Media Network. So, if you haven't checked it out, again, like we mentioned earlier in the show, you can uh, surf over to touchpoint.health. Uh, all the information's there with all relevant links to Bonnie, which we'll, we'll uh, link in the show notes and touch on here again in a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about innovation because I know the last 12 months, 12 plus months, I guess at this point, have probably altered the way people think. Well, about a number of things, care delivery. Uh, all the way down, whose role is innovation? Where is that within the organization these days?
2: You know, that's a great question, because I think years ago, we thought that innovation really was around um, devices and technology. So it always seemed as though it was that higher level, kind of higher up in the food chain, maybe people that were innovating. And really, what we've come to realize is that innovation is, is everything. It isn't just devices and technology. It's also models of care. It can be around access. It can be around outcomes. It can be around workflows, documentation, uh, electronic health records. So we've sort of been able to um, consistently allow people that are more closely aligned to where the work happens to be involved in innovation. And I think that's good because that's where the ideas come from.
1: I like that idea. I, you know, Chris and I have talked a number of times and mentioned on the show a number of times over the last several years, this getting harder and harder to determine uh, where marketing communication starts and stops. It was very definitive that it was like, it was these people in this department. I would assume that that was probably true uh, around most departments quality nursing itns operations finance it was very it was a very defined kind of hierarchy and a silo within the organization uh, some of them probably overlapped more than others like some of the care delivery side as as well as like the quality department you know that was probably some of the first things that kind of started to overlap then like you said with the technology uh, we think about like connected devices. Well, maybe there's a little bit of an overlap or a bleed between IT&S and, and, and clinical care and you know some of those types of things. But I think it's interesting to think about the idea that it's much harder to delineate where innovation starts and stops within the organization. And that's probably never been so true uh, over the last 12 months as people have had to figure out new ways of doing things.
2: You know, I, th- I think so, because we've been able to see the innovation happen at different levels, and it can happen in a, in a not so complex way. So, for example, the pandemic has really done a great job of shedding light upon things that we haven't done well in healthcare. And again, whether that's around staffing or workflows or access or outcomes, equipment, we 've really been able to um, dig into some of those areas, and I would say much of that happens because we 've been forced into it we 've been forced to come up with ways to provide patient care more safely, so it 's really given a lot more people the opportunity to be creative and to invent and to innovate
1: what what is that What are some practical examples like what what does that look like I mean I know from a nursing background, you've probably got numbers of examples of nurses that have, out of necessity, like you just said, had to figure out new ways of providing care. What what does that look like over the last year?
2: Yeah, there's some really great examples out there, Reed. So if you think back to the beginning of the pandemic, it was so frightening and scary. And it was at the time that we literally saw patients just flooding into hospitals on the East Coast. And of course, there were nurses and physicians and other healthcare professionals that were providing care to them, and and they were scared to death. And you also might recall, they didn't have adequate PPE. So we saw nurses in Boston that very quickly found their way to 3D printers and started 3D printing face shields to protect themselves because all they had were literally, you know, surgical masks. We saw, um, as this unfolded on the West Coast, we saw nurses bring in baby monitors from home and put them in their patient rooms so they could either visualize their patients or listen to their patients and communicate and make sure that everything was okay. And that was around minimizing their exposure or their risk to those patients, We saw nurses in intensive care units learn very quickly that they could string together multiple sets of IV extension tubing so that essentially they could have the the patient connected to the pump and the pump outside the door of the patient room and make any adjustments to medications or flow rates outside the room, again, to minimize their exposure. We saw nurses that were able to help serve homeless shelters And they're super techie. And what they were able to do was to reprogram basically iPads so that at one touch, it could connect a patient or a maybe client that would be going into a homeless shelter. So if they hit the screen with one touch, they would immediately be connected with a nurse that could screen them for COVID. So we saw amazing innovations come out of this what what does that do
1: to innovation programs and how organizations are thinking about innovation going forward is this is this changed hospitals healthcare systems other provider organizations on on how they think about innovation
2: you know that's a really good question so i think that what we have seen nationally continues to amplify the work of nurses and and really prove out the value that nurses bring to the equation, along with other health professionals, right? Each of us that are trained in our discipline are incredibly valuable, and it takes all of us together to sort of bring this whole thing to patients that's called healthcare. So, I I think what it's done is it's allowed people that were closest to the patients to be brought into the innovation space and truly realize that, in fact, they are innovators and it's also allowed those that are more formally involved with the innovation process realize how much value those at the bedside bring to this innovation equation.
1: That's a great point. And and I would assume I'm doing a lot of assuming, but I would assume that you know people that are more formally involved, you know I can think of some of the larger organizations that have innovation labs and departments and staff and, you know, all all that kind of fun stuff like Kaiser or Hopkins or, you know, those types of folks. This is really kind of open up a world to them potentially that they're getting a lot more people involved maybe, or there's different ways to think about initiatives that they can really then push forward. But if I'm an organization and I don't really have people in those roles, you know, I'm a community, I'm a regional hospital, you know, whatever it may be. How do I start down this path? Like, what, what, what does? How do I start capturing these good ideas and, and those types of things?
2: I don't think it has to be a crazy expensive investment in something like an innovation lab or a studio. I, I while that's awesome, I don't think that it has to be that. I think it really can just be. A way to um, bring people together, and it, it, it—I don't mean everyone all at once. I mean a process, right? If I have an idea and I think there's something that will work to change, maybe the way that we staff, or maybe the way that I deliver medications, or whatever it might be, there needs to be a process or someone that they can go to with that idea and talk through that with someone. And and if it has legs, a process to pilot it or test it or prove it out a little bit to really understand what's the value in that particular innovation and how does something like that work. So just the opportunity to think through it with someone else is awesome. I will tell you that one of the things that has happened is that nurses... Um, I can speak to them the best, but in, they sometimes feel very threatened by organizations because if, if a nurse has a really amazing idea, particularly around something that's tangible, a device or a product, oftentimes their organization says, Hey, we own that. If you thought about it while you were working for us, we own that. So, what I hear from nurses is that many of them actually quit their organizations to build out their idea. And then they'll go work kind of PRN for other organizations just to sort of, you know, keep some money in the bank account while they're building their idea, because they don't want their organization to kind of steal it from them. So that is something that we still are going to have to grapple with a little bit.
1: Uh, You know, there's obviously a lot of money in healthcare and there's a lot of, you know, PE backing as it relates to products and services and, you know, even provider-based organizations to some extent. So I I can see how that's interesting. But I think if you had a process or had had a lot of these things defined, uh, then it may alleviate some of that. Either the fear that I'm going to lose the IP, I'm going to lose the intellectual property, or uh, this isn't my role, is my role, you know, what role do I play, you know, those types of things. And so I like the idea of the process. And so I would assume in most cases that starts with kind of that governance committee type structure or, you know, who, who's going to be kind of in charge of thinking about how this works and in building those avenues. As marketing communications professionals, you know, a lot of people listening to this show our role historically has not really been marketing and communications. It's really been advertising. You know, we've really been an advertising department. <laughs> Everybody thinks they're a marketer. Uh, they're really an advertising department. And so I think now we maybe have a chance. If you look at the four P's of marketing, we have a chance to, to maybe influence the product portion of the equation uh, a little bit. And so, I don't know, maybe a little encouragement to those that are out there just of, Hey, that this may be something that you could spearhead or lead or help with. Uh, and it kind of help define what that process is. W- what's kind of that first step in your mind, you know, as far as the process is concerned, how, how do you start down this path or start setting up?
2: So, in order to build a culture of innovation, it really needs to start at the top, right? So, the top executives, starting with the CEO, really need to empower people that they are, in fact, living and working in a a culture that wants to see innovation flourish and allow people to really um, try new things. Of course, we're in healthcare, right? We don't want to be um, ever jeopardized patient care or put patients at risk. Yet, there are a whole lot of things that we can certainly do, whether it's around different models of care. Maybe it's even around scheduling or staffing or devices or changes to our EHR documentation millions of opportunities to innovate. So start at the top, make sure that the culture is geared up to be one for innovation, one where innovation can flourish, not where innovation goes to die, right? And that means that when you round, you have to ask about it, you have to talk to people, you have to see who's trying new things, who's doing what, how is it working? And then really, you want to reward people for kind of Taking a chance in trying something new. There certainly are organizations that do a really good job at this. I don't think that you have to have the Million Dollar Innovation Lab in order to build a culture of innovation. And Again, by allowing leaders to empower people to try new things, to put their ideas into practice, that's certainly a way to start.
1: I like that. That's very, very cool. Well, this is this is interesting, and and to me, as an entrepreneur, as somebody that's tinkered and even built things with my hands and leatherworking all that, the the idea of innovation has always been something. Even as a kid, I'd buy the little science kits and just pour all the stuff together and see what happened, kind of a thing, which is probably not real safe. But this idea that it doesn't matter what you went to school for, what role you play within the organization. You know, everybody's got uh, some equity and and some value to provide as it relates to innovation. And again, it doesn't have to be about building widgets or connected devices or the Internet of Things or any of this stuff that you're not entirely sure what it is. (laughs) You've just heard people talk about it. So I think this is really encouraging. Appreciate you. Coming on for a little bit and chatting again, Bonnie Klepper, Dr. Bonnie Klepper, registered nurse, host of healthcare soothsayers newest show on touchpoint media network. If folks would like to track you down, certainly they can go to touchpoint.health, look up the podcast, that kind of thing. But uh, what's the easiest way for people to find you online?
2: Uh, Check me out on LinkedIn. That's where I am uh, most active. So you'll find me under Bonnie Klepper.
1: Well, Bonnie, thanks for coming on. We certainly appreciate the time and, uh, thanks so much for the shows that are coming out and appreciate uh, your time, effort, energy, and look forward to having you back on.
2: Thanks, Reed. My pleasure.
1: All right. Special thanks to Dr. Bonnie Clipper. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for, um, really kind of, thinking through and talking about innovation. I'm sure I really enjoyed the conversation. It was a lot of fun. And uh, certainly if you'd like to hear more from her, her new show, Healthcare Soothsayers is out on the Touchpoint Media Network. You can find it over at touchpoint.health. And uh, gosh, by the time you're hearing this, there's probably, I don't know, three, four, five episodes out, something like that. So go go check out some of those conversations she's having. Um, I've been privy to see the ones that are coming down the pipe and uh, there's a lot of great Great ones coming, so be sure to subscribe to her show and connect with her on LinkedIn. All right, before we get to recommendations, a quick plug for the TPS report. uh, Weekly newsletter comes out every Monday morning, uh, has five articles curated from said show host on the network. Uh, But one other thing that it does have in there kind of down at the bottom are some quick links to upcoming industry education opportunities. So these are things like uh, the Healthcare Internet Conference or... You know, Mayo Clinic's collaboration with ShushMed for the advanced social media Conference that's coming up in June. Think, things like that. So we've got quick links to where you can find out more and even register for those conferences. So another great reason to subscribe. If you've got information that should go in there, upcoming conferences, webinars, et cetera, let us know. If there are people we should interview, topics we should talk about, let us know that as well. You can track us down, uh,
0: certainly. So
1: let's do a couple of recommendations. What do you, what do you have today, Chris?
0: Well, Reed, this last weekend, my wife and I, we spent some good quality time in the yard. We're not quite at spring yet in Minnesota. You know, it truly is a colder, April is kind of a colder month. They, they actually are predicting there might be snow on the ground again this week. Oh, boy. However, I, I'm seeing our, our gardens start to spring. We Everything's starting to grow. There's been a lot of moisture, so things are sprouting up. So this weekend, we prepped for the spring by getting mulch and that's mm-hmm. going to be my recommendation because anytime you're working outside you know and you have a garden that you're tending to it's always important to lay down some mulch and and I feel in in at least here in Minnesota when we lay down the mulch in the springtime it actually sets everything up it, it keeps the the warmth and the moisture in the ground particularly if there's a little bit of snow left in the in the month and it also is just really good quality time to spend in your yard just making sure everything looks so nice and tidy when you're all said and done i have a specific type of mulch that i'm going to recommend okay i do realize that mulch is different in every you know state that you're in because mulch Ideally, should be made locally, right? It should be created from materials that are done locally. Particularly, I like brown wood mulch because it's it has a, the the most amount of natural colors that are in there, so you don't have to deal with dyeing. We also bought mulch this week.
1: You did too. See, there you go. Yeah, I like uh, we ours is brown, but it's the mini pine bark nuggets. That's, that's what we like. So it's it's bark from pine trees that has been ground up. But
0: yeah, ours is more of a brown wood mulch that comes from a variety of different sizes of wood. So you have you know twigs, sticks, etc., but also a bigger chunks. Our neighbors, by the way, also got mulch and they did red bark. So good for them, right? So at least we look different. But uh, there you go. It's my recommendation. Mulch, very nice. I like it. I like it.
1: Um, I'm going to recommend. Something that's somewhat general, a professional association membership. Chris and I are members of and have been founding advisors or are founding advisors, I guess, of the Mayo Clinic social media networks. So certainly uh, high on the list. Recommend that if you have not joined and you're in the social media space. Great organization to get involved with, uh, online message boards, all that kind of fun stuff. There's ShishMed, which is the Society for Healthcare uh, Strategy and Market Development, and they are a subset of the American Hospital Association. So another great group you could get involved with and join if you're in the marketing and communication space. And then also the American College of Healthcare Executives, ACHE. Uh, great place to get involved, um, even as marketing and communication individuals, even though it's more of an operations association, if you will. A lot of really fascinating uh, education and content. And then a lot of these folks, whether it's ShishMed or PRSA or ACHE, have local chapters. um, And so be sure to get involved there too. So just want to encourage people to continue to connect uh, within the industry. I think it's really important now, probably more than ever, as we're in this virtual environment to try to stay connected. And that's
0: just a, a great way to do it. Mm-hmm. I happen to have my Shushmid renewal slips right here to take care of later today. So I love that recommendation.
1: Um, well, cool. Another great episode and uh, looking forward to next week as we continue our roadshow of other Touchpoint media show hosts. So uh, stay tuned for that. These are some smart folks or they obviously would not be hosting a podcast if they didn't have anything to say. And so uh, they're great folks to have on and, and dig into different topics. And we've got one next week. That's going to be a little different uh, something we haven't talked a whole lot about that I think will be fun to kind of kind of get into as you think about building your, your, uh, your marketing team. So Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.